Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and today is episode 134 of the podcast, where I sit down with wife, mother, writer, and pastor Cindy Beal. Cindy writes all about her marriage and how it could have torn things apart. Instead, in her latest resource, Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken, she talks all about how to restore wholeness, talk about forgiveness, restoration, all of this just in time for the holiday season. I know that sounds a little cheeky, but the reality is many of us this holiday season are going through some super difficult times. And Cindy's wise words are important for all of us. So now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Cindy Beal. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have uh, spiritual director, author, and speaker Cindy Beal with us. Cindy, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Ah, Tony, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, so I, I wanted to start because you are on the team of one of my most favorite apps and an app that we talk about on this podcast all the time because it's changed my life, the YouVersion Bible app. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do for YouVersion and and how you got there? Yeah. So just for, in case people don't know, I've been a part of Life Church for 20 years, and we um, we started the Bible app in 2007. So um you know, been on the, just serving with my husband all these years. And then back last fall, about a year ago, this time there was a job opening for the spiritual support leader for the Uversion Bible app. And so, you know, I connected with um, the leader and just said, what do you think? And so we kind of went through the process. I interviewed and I got hired. So I've been on the team for about 10 months as at the time of recording this episode. And so what a spiritual support leader is, you know, you'll, it's an app. Obviously, there's going to be technical things go on. People are going to write in and go, hey, I can't get in. My password's not working, you know, so all things like that. And so what we were finding, so that team that supports um, people with some struggles there um, is our product support team. And what we were finding is people were writing into this team with spiritual needs, maybe prayer requests. And just we realized that the version community as a whole around the world, mm-hmm. um, while a lot of us may have great churches nearby and great communities, some may not. Um, so we just decided let's create a spiritual support team. So currently as we're building, so like this is grassroots, like it is, all, we're on the spiritual support is the very beginning this year. I love so, it. Like anything new. Yeah. Like with anything new, it's kind of, it can be messy, right? Cause you're like, yeah. Oh, I forgot to do that. Let me run back here and do that. But we, we, we have people who could reach out for prayer. Um, and so I have a volunteer team of people around the world who are uh, ministering, praying for people, responding to people. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's exciting to where it's good to see where it's going to go one day. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I do. Well, I, I know that um, I, on in our community, the reclamation community, we have a ton of people who love to pray. If they wanted to volunteer, uh, is there any requirements? What what do they who do they how do they get in touch with you to 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 make it happen? Yeah, you just go to uversion.com slash volunteers and start the journey. And yeah, you the only rec- requirements for praying is you like you probably want to pray. Like you probably enjoy praying. I mean that's <laughs> that's really it. Yeah, you actually have um, to do it. You have so, to show up. But, 
you kind of actually, we would just like it, like it very much. So if you did that, the other part of it is we actually have people who respond to people when they write in requests. And so that's a little bit more thorough. You still don't have to have like crazy training because we're not like providing theological answers to questions necessarily. Um, We're staying in our lane. We're providing encouragement and resources and and prayer. And just just the thing we've seen the most, Tony, is people just want to feel seen and heard. And so when they get a response from someone who's prayed for them and who is just encouraging them, it's it's a powerful thing. So have them go to uversion.com slash volunteers and begin that journey. And um, we'd love it. That'd be awesome. Now, you and your husband have been in the local church uh, as pastors at um, in, in Oklahoma City for a number of years, and then you mo- made this transition. I think a lot of people are making transitions in 2021. I've heard I've heard some people call it the year of the great transition or um, the great resignation. I, I'm curious, what have you learned about yourself and about God in the midst of all of this movement in your life? Well, partly, part of it is that last year in 2020, I turned 50 Mm. and I didn't really, you know, it was nobody, there was no parties, you know, so like you try to have a get together and then it's like, well, sure would hate to infect everybody because that was, you know, pre-vaccine. So, um, but anyway, I, I just remember thinking, I want to do something different when I'm 50. I want to do something more. Um, our youngest son is about to graduate high school in next May. And so I just thought I'm ready for that new season. I just didn't know it would look like this. So for me, you know, I think a lot of people might think empty nesters. I'm now a grandmother. My oldest son had a baby. He and his wife had a baby this year. So like you might think, okay, city's ready to kind of coast on into retirement. And Chris and I just had a conversation like, you know, we want to lay it all out on the table as much as we can before we leave this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, we work real hard and then we rest well, real hard. So we just, we just took this step. And so it has brought a lot more busyness to our schedules. Um, but at the same time, we've learned over the years how to Sabbath well. And so, uh, yeah, so that was kind of the thought process for me. Like, life is uncertain. Um, I don't know how many more days I have. And I'd like to to give my best to the kingdom of God to the best of my ability until the day when he says, okay, it's time to shift again. So I just kind of walk around with open hands like, okay, God, this is what I'm doing now to fulfill um, what you've called me to do. And um, yeah, so that's kind of my thought process this year. Well, and I I love that posture. Um, If you're listening, that she actually opened up her hands towards heaven. And I I love that idea. Um, I'm curious, one of the questions I love to ask people is, how you hear from God, because I, I would assume, uh, based off of your faith walk, that this is this was a step of faith for you. It was a, an act of obedience. How do you know that it was God's voice and not just uh, a midlife crisis? <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. Um, well, I think that there's probably. I heard a pastor say some time ago that, you know, he was about 67% sure God was leading him. Mm. And I think that's funny because, um, you know, sometimes we think, oh, this is God or is, or is this God or is this my thoughts or is this my dreams or whatever. And so um, for me, I just 
have the phrase in my mind, take the next step. And so I'm moving forward. I kind of visualize, let's say I'm just, so like take this job, for example, I'm visualizing taking the job and not taking the, or applying for the job, not applying. And where do I sense the most peace? And it's just a constant communication like, okay, God, I don't really feel a hesitancy here. I'm going to take the next step. And so I took the next step. I applied, got an interview. Okay. I still feel a level of peace. I'm going to take another step. And so as I just kept walking forward, God just kept opening the doors. And here's what's funny is it was a significant test of my faith. Like I was nervous through the whole thing, but I still had this peace. Like partly was like, am I going to make a mistake? And I just kind of eventually now I'm looking back, I'm just like, you know, God saw my heart the whole time. Like there was nothing that was, was hidden from him. Mm. And he just kept guiding me. And the moment, um, I got offered the job, the peace of God just flooded me, and I haven't questioned it since. And so I think it was a test of, of just a test for me and that God was saying, hey, you don't have to feel great about every single little bitty thing along the way because I'm developing your faith. And so I don't know that that's the way it's going to be for everyone, but that's how it kind of happened for me. Um, but, you know, spending time in God's Word is the best way to get to know God. Um, and I've always said, the more you spend time with him, the more you learn how he is, the more you learn about his character, the more you learn what how he's speaking and where he's leading. And so then you can make better decisions. So, um, yeah. Uh, what, one more question. You mentioned spending time in the Word. I'm sure you get email requests all the time. Is there a, a plan on the Version Bible app that you recommend for someone who uh, is trying to get started on this journey? Is there... Um, is there like a go-to, like, this is the one that I recommend everybody start with, or if, if you're just really starting out in that scriptural journey? Yeah, so we have a section in the app that has different plans by categories, and I sure. think one of them is like new to faith or something yeah. like that. So if you go on the home screen of your app, you'll see you can scroll down and see that. Um, there's another section in there called U Version Devotion or U Version Originals, and so those are written by a lot of people. Uh, through the years who have just contracted with you version, some people on the team, some people are contractors. And so there's a few in there, like one of them is how to start reading your Bible. Um, and then there's, there's a few more about life in Christ. And so a lot of those in there would be great jumping off places for people who are new. Um, maybe they're, they, maybe they've known about God or maybe they're a new believer, but those are some great, um, plans I think would help. That's awesome. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting in this season, we, you know, we talk about new things, but kind of uh, what you're doing is kind of a, a refresh of a, an old thing. And in this year, you're re-releasing yeah. your writing, uh, Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken and, and How to Get to Forgiveness and Restoration. It's I, I'm really intrigued by this topic in this season because I think... A lot of us in COVID have realized that all this time with our spouse has really uh, kind of put some pressure on us in, in a weird way. So uh, what moved you to, to re-release this book in this season? Well, my publisher over the years, um, so this book was first released in 2011, mm -hmm. so 10 years ago. And so my, over the years, my publisher would come out, come, you know, the acquisitions editor would say, hey, are you ready? You want to do another book? And I was like, well, you know, I wrote another one in 2016, 
And I just thought, ah, I don't know what else am I supposed to say? I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, Lisa Turkhurst has said it all. Like she is such a great author. Just go read one of her books because I promise you, I think what she's thinking, you know, I just, I love her and I appreciate what she has to say. So, but for me, as I was thinking, it was two years ago and I, I kind of had this idea of like 10 year anniversary Mm. of the book. Our journey has been 20 years long. And so I pitched it to my publisher, like, what if we do a refresh? I add some extra content. I put on a new chapter. We get a new cover. And they loved it. And so that's kind of why um, that's part of the story. And the other part is like our story, even though we are so great and we have healed so well and God has done such a work in us, we're still it's still a story that God is telling because some people are just hearing it for the first time. And so there's something about seeing someone who is still walking out a healing journey 10 years later, 20 years later. And so we just wanted to speak to that and encourage couples. In fact, the final chapter of the book is actually meant for any couple, like just anyone. You don't have to have gone through betrayal. In fact, I give 20 insights in 20 years. And so um, hopefully that could be kind of a blessing to all married couples out there. So. So what does healing today in your marriage look like, um, you know, now decades, you know, kind of removed from all of it? What does it look, I mean, how does that, how does that play out on a random Wednesday? Well, it's, it has been a while. I mean, sometimes I think back to that day in February, um, 2002, and I can't believe like, I can't really remember the pain. Mm. Like, I know that sounds funny, but like, I remember that day was painful, but like nothing strikes my heart anymore because God has brought so much healing. And for the people who are listening, who don't know, you know, my husband sat me down that day and confessed to me about faithfulness and everything in my world shattered. And he resigned from Life Church. We were at Life Church for like six weeks, and then he resigned. And then 18 months later, he came back on the team through once we've been through a significant healing journey. And so we've just continued to heal along the way. Um, the biggest way that we have healed um, is actually Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 speaks to it, that when we um, when God comforts us in our trouble, we can then comfort others with the comfort we've received from God. And so every single time Chris and I have helped a couple or he has helped a guy and I've helped a woman, um, God has continued to heal us. And so every time I talk about my story, God continues to heal us. Like today, I don't think I can be healed anymore, but God will do a work in me, even with my conversation with you. And so there's just power in um, how we've just been able to minister out of a place that was once great pain, and God has just redeemed that. So pain today on a Wednesday, um, or the healing, I guess you asked, um, it's just continuing to live out um, what God has done. Mm. Um, So when I go to work today or Chris goes to work, people don't really think of us is like, oh, that's the couple that made it through infidelity. Um, But sometimes when that does cross their mind, I think it encourages them that that vulnerability is okay and that um, reaching out for help is okay so that we can grow. And honestly, second chances are possible and third chances and fourth, you know. 
I'm curious, what was the conversation like about re-releasing this with Chris? Because as a as a guy, I kind of identify with your husband uh, the most in this story, and and I keep thinking to myself, I don't know if I want my biggest sin in the world, you know, that I've uh, you know re-released into the world. Uh, or refreshed or, you know, like any of those, I mean, like, like, I'll, uh, I don't know. I have a lot of, uh, I found myself having a lot of feelings about yeah. it for Chris. <laughs> sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me take you back to 2002 when he confessed to me, um, he was a broken, repentant man, mm. like, and he, all of his acting out sexually, um, infidelity was stemmed, stemmed from a pornography addiction. So he didn't have an inappropriate relationship with a friend. He didn't meet, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was, I started looking at pictures and then I started chatting and then I started this. And so it's just a progression of sin, which, you know, we know that it just keeps spiraling if we don't um, take it before God and ask for healing and, um, and freedom. So he was so, wanting freedom in his life, he didn't care who knew. Like he was all out, like whatever we can do to help me from this monster that has, that I have allowed to run my life, please. I want freedom. So when you think about it that way, he was not embarrassed. Like it was humiliating and it was hard and it was humbling, but his desire for freedom even trumped his desire for us to stay married. And that's what had to happen because he wanted us to stay married, but he had to have freedom. There's just no way he wanted to live the rest of his life in bondage. So when I, when we talked about, you know, when I was looking for resources during that time for help and there weren't hardly any, that's when I, this one of the times in my life where I knew that God said, you're writing a book. And I was like, okay, I, I failed ninth grade writing in high school on the achievement test. So are you sure you want me to be the one? Um, and I, I grew in college and I got better and I, I had already started writing a lot by this time, but I, but still like writing a book is a big endeavor. So, um, so anyway, when I said, I think God's called me to write a book and he was like, let's go. And so I remember the day it was 2010 I had the contract in my hand. I was about to sign it and send it back to my publisher, Harvest House. And I said, are you sure? Like, this is your life on display. It's mine too, but like, it's your life. And he said, absolutely. Never doubts it. And so, um, so he still has that posture now. Um, and what's funny is a week and a half ago at our church, at Life Church, he, um, he preached and he told our story to however many hundreds of thousands of people who listen, whether at a campus or church online. So, um, yeah, so he's pretty open with it. So I, I love that. And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with that word repentance, right? When we're, we're willing to, to not keep it a secret anymore, it doesn't have any power over us. And I think that that's closing that gap, uh, that gap caused by, you know, all the things in our life that pull us away from God. Um, you know, one of the things that you talk about in this book is is forgiveness and restoration. H- how do you, um, if if you you're in a relationship where you've been deceived, you've been uh, maybe it's infidelity, maybe it's something else, but how do you begin to rebuild trust in this in in the brokenness of a relationship? Because um, from all accounts, you guys have done so very successfully at this point. <laughs> 
Yeah. So that was, honestly, that was harder than forgiving him. Mm. Um, For me, I saw the brokenness. I saw the repentance. I saw this wounded man who um, just was ashamed of what he'd done to the the name of Christ, to um, his family and friends. And so um, I, it was easier to forgive him because I knew that he didn't want to do this. He still made terrible choices, but this wasn't what he wanted to do. So, um, you know, I had to continue to forgive him. But overall, over time, that was seemingly easier to do than trust. And so I remember talking to God. I'm like, God. So there was about a three-week period after he confessed that I was trying to decide, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Because I loved him. Obviously, that did not go away. But that that's a hard hurt. Those are hard hurdles to over jump over. And so, I just remember saying, God, how am I going? How are we going to do this? I mean, am I going to be his police officer for the rest of his life and check? I don't want to be his mother. So, I God just kept saying, Do you trust me? Mm. And I'm like, Oh, hold back, God. <laughs> of course I trust you, but but this is a big one, God. Come on. And so, I finally, a few weeks in, I just, God just said, Do you trust me? And, and I finally relinquished and said, I do trust you. And in that moment, I just was like, okay, I'm supposed to stay. And what, what happened in the, you know, in the subsequent weeks and months and even years is I just trusted God um, on this journey as Chris was rebuilding trust. So the way he started rebuilding trust was nothing was off limits to me. You know, we didn't, it was 2002, so I, I don't even think I had a cell phone <laughs> then. Um, he did, and so, but it was just, it was just navigating like, well, but there were no apps to like track you, you know. Yeah. So it was different back then, and so he would he, but he was very um, communicative with me about where he was going. Granted, he was only working at a lumber warehouse for about 18 months, so it wasn't like he was going to different campuses at the time after he resigned. So. But, you know, he just was answered any question. Um, He said, hey, I'm here. He would, once he did join the team again, um, there would be a couple nights where he'd be, you know, at the church doing, setting up for something. And he would actually have another staff member call me from his phone and let me know that he was actually there. So like Chris will tell you, and I'll tell you too, but like, he always tried to be a step ahead of me of where the enemy would try to attack me. Oh, wow. So Chris was constantly, yeah, he was constantly going, okay, she's going to possibly struggle here. I'm going to be ahead of that. And yeah, so that's how trust was built. And, you know, people ask me, do you trust him today? You know what? I trust the Holy Spirit's work in him. Yeah. He is still a man. Um, sometimes his actions aren't, you know, and my actions as humans, we're not the best, but I do know that he never wants to hurt me again. He does not intend to hurt me again. And he is fighting tooth and nail, if you will, to be free from this monster um, that once held him in bondage. And so we're very open. We're very honest. And um, I trust I trust um, his heart. And, and then God just kind of fills in all the gaps in there. But uh, yeah. So, yeah, I always say I trust him again, but I still trust God more than anyone. (laughs) I still know human beings, you know, like human beings will let us down. Says Proverbs, 
trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't say trust in your mom with all your Amen. heart. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and then God allows me to trust people underneath Him. Hmm. That's a, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Cindy to tell you a little bit about Spirit and Truth. As you know, the Reclamation Podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network, which is 100% listener supported. What does that mean? It means that all of the content that we're able to put out on the podcast network is because of listeners like you. So if you feel compelled to give, check us out, learn more information at spiritandtruth.life slash give. Now, back to my conversation with Pastor Cindy. I'm curious, um, how has your and Chris's prayer life changed um, in the midst or kind of in the... um, and to say in the aftermath of all of this and and how how was it before i mean what you know how, how does how does your covenant with god play out um before and after this kind of restoration so when he was acting out it was about a two and a half year period so by the time he confessed we had been married 9 years and so two and a half years prior to that confession is when a lot, all of this was happening. So the whole nine years wasn't miserable. I mean, he was still in bondage and, you know, I mean, back when he started struggling with pornography, it was a magazine, mm. you know, he was a kid. So like, that's how that started. So, and then as the internet, once the internet kind of came into view, that's when the gas was put on the fire. And so, um, so during that two and a half year period, I felt utterly alone, like, we were at a church where Chris was like the second. So we had a senior pastor and then my husband. Hmm. Who am I going to talk to that my marriage seems really bad, but I have no idea why? You know, I knew something was wrong, but there was no way I knew what it was. I just thought, well, I guess married couples just go through a spell. We had had a son. And so maybe this is what bringing a kid into the family is like. I don't know what it was. So, um, yeah. So it was just, it was a hard, hard season. So all I knew to do was run to God. Like that faith, my journey and my intimacy with the Father just was amazing during that time because He was all I had. So you take me into this journey of, confession and all the things that we had to deal with. And then Chris coming to a place where he was broken, like the spiritual depth in those early days, as wretched as it could, as it was in our pain, man, I'm telling you, it was deep, a deep connection with God. Mm. And then which ultimately was with each other. So yeah, just our prayer life, you know, we prayed a lot, we cried a lot. And over the years, sometimes our prayer life together is great. And sometimes it's not, and which is just the nature of being married. That that doesn't really have anything to do with what we've been through. You know, that's the thing I do talk about in my book that, you know, a lot of times couples who've been through a betrayal like this, um, maybe not infidelity, but some other kind of betrayal, they they go forward in their marriage and they assume that five years later, when they have something go on, oh well, it's because this happened. Actually, it's it could have been. But it's probably just because you're married and you're two people who are married. Right. I mean, right? right? I mean, I love my husband, but he's still a man and I'm still a woman. And sometimes I'm like, that is craziness. It's not because you cheated on me 20 years ago. This is just because you're a man and I'm a woman and we're not agreeing, you know? So, yeah. 
Well, one of the things that we love to say around here is that if you're not dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. And so... That's powerful. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm curious if you guys recommend or have any disciplines in your marriage that help keep you guys on point together. Like, And, and I know that there are a lot of couples in this season who are who who feel distant or you know have kind of started that journey to disconnectedness uh what disciplines do you recommend basically there's two words that i always tell people it's being intentional and being and making investments mm-hmm. um that is why marriages in my opinion fall is because we stop being intentional and we stop investing in each other. And so if you do a little bit of that every day, um, it really does work. It's pretty powerful. You do one nice thing a day for your spouse. You send one sweet text, you make a phone call, you, you do something that they, you knew they had, they were coming home from work and they were going to have to do it and you do it for them. I mean, it's just thinking of your spouse more than you think of yourself is a pretty powerful, uh, discipline in my opinion. But I would say, I mentioned it earlier, Chris and I have this kind of rule, whatever you want to call it, guideline, but nothing is off limits from each other. So like, let's just take devices. He can pick up my phone, my laptop. I can do the same for him at any time and we can get on there. We don't do that very often, but like if he picks up my phone to check a tech, like just to sometimes, you know, when I have technical difficulties that he's like, all right, let me fix it. Like that doesn't make me nervous at all. And it doesn't make him nervous at all. We have nothing to hide from each other. So that's always a good guideline. Um, if you pick up your spouses, if you, if you're just honestly going, Oh, I just need to check this picture on or whatever, just, and that person kind of cringes and you're like, Oh, that, you know, let's just, that could be a little red flag there. But, um, I don't know. I know that some people don't agree with that and that's okay. That's just our story. That's where we've been. And that's kind of how we live. But um, we also, I feel, have had a very um, marriage-centered marriage, if that makes sense, or family. So, like, we're husband and wife first. Um, We have three sons. We adore them. We have a daughter-in-law. We have a grandchild. And we love our family. But growing up, it was always like we're going to have the first conversation at the end of the day, you know, as much as we can. Because sometimes two-year-olds don't agree with all those sure. things yeah. that you have. <laughs> but for the most part, we, we're we investing in our marriage and we're not going to be kid-centered. We're going to be obviously Christ-centered and then the marriage and then children. And it just seems to have been a really good flow for us. And I feel like our kids, they are so happy that their mom and dad are crazy about each other. Yeah, one of the things that I see a lot in today's community, especially in suburban Ohio where we live, is it's really easy to put make your kids an idol, you know, and and really kind of follow them around and make sure that they're all taken care of. And it's obvious that you guys love your kids, especially um, you know that grandbaby. But uh, I'm curious, h- how do you raise boys? How do you raise boys in light of everything that happened? What what do you tell them about this? Or how did you talk to them about this? And uh, how do you, or did you put up any preventive measures in your own life? I mean, like, obviously, the internet's real and dangerous. And also, you're not gonna, you're not gonna not use the internet. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because we're so open and honest with our story, um, everything's just kind of out there. Um, we, when they were younger, so Noah, my oldest was almost three when this, when Chris is, um, when he confessed everything. So he didn't really understand. He just saw mommy crying mm. a lot. I remember one day he said, why are you so, why are you so sad for mommy? Um, and so over the years, we would explain things to them in age-appropriate ways, you know. So there were definitely conversations that we had to have um, just as we were sharing our story. But it's it's kind of like they weren't teenagers when this happened. So they were like, my youngest doesn't even know life without this. Does mm, that make, yeah. I mean, really, I guess Noah doesn't either because he was just three. So just being wise and being able to share um when mom and dad have made mistakes and how God has come in. So it's a beautiful picture of God's grace and explaining that to them. Um, And then just allowing them to see um, God do what he does, which is redeem lives. And um, so as far as like protection and, you know, making sure that they're, um, their eyes are protected and their hearts are protected. You know, at the end of the day, we can't want it for them, yeah. but we can certainly have conversations. And because my husband is not afraid to go and have those difficult, uncomfortable conversations with his sons. I mean, he's just blunt with them and there's just nothing they can't talk to him about. And, and I love that about him. So, um, so they have a very open conversation, um, all him with all, with all of them. And so, um, yeah, we just we did the best we could to prevent them with certain things on their phone. Um, but, you know, they're boys and sometimes they find ways around because those kids are more tech savvy than we are. So um, but at the end of the day, I I have to trust God um, with his work in their lives and pray because my worry accomplishes nothing. So I also um, always anytime I talk to a pastor uh, who's got kids that are older than mine, I always love to ask the question, uh, just for my own personal privilege. I have no idea if anyone gets anything else out of this, but it's important to me. So uh, <laughs> any tips on raising pastor's kids to help them stay engaged in their relationship with the Lord? Yes, I would say the biggest thing is don't let anyone, including yourselves, have your expect your kids to do something because of who their parents are. Mm. Um, case in point, um, Noah was probably, he's 22 now, almost 23. He was probably eight when this happened. And we were in the church lobby and my husband was the campus pastor at the lobby or at the campus at that time. And he was acting eight, you know, he was acting silly and goofy. And this woman, older woman, uh, she came up, she was probably in her fifties. So I would have been in my early thirties. And she said, um, you shouldn't act like that. You're the pastor's son. And before I could stop myself, (laughs) I looked at her (laughs) and I said, no, he shouldn't do that because he's a child of God. And I just was like, don't, and, I, and then we walked away, but I, and she was like, oh, and I, you know, I probably should have maybe, I don't know, but I, I, I can't take it back now. But basically for me is we never, I, 
I can't remember a time. I'm sure that maybe there's a couple, but I never said, I can't believe you're doing that to your dad. Mm. Like, I can't believe you're embarrassing your father because he's the whatever. And how would you, why would you act that way? I'm a, a published author. Like we just didn't put the calling that God had called us to do uh, the pressure of it on them. Now they're part of our family. They know the calling. They know that this is what we do, but that was the biggest thing I would say. And then as they began to wrestle with their faith and make it their own, um, you know, we had to let them. And so our oldest was, um, he loved the church. Um, he was there serving a lot. And so he's really kind of developed his own faith. He plays in the worship band. So like he's he's really living it out outside of us. In fact, last week, Chris and I did not tour campuses because my husband leads campuses now. Um, and so we typically might go visit. And he was like, you guys go on to visit this today. And I was like, no. And he was like, you guys are sinners. And so it was just kind of this <laughs> moment where we just laughed. And I was like, we so are, you know. But, you know, it was just a crazy weekend for us. And so we were like, no, we're not going to do that today. But it was funny to hear that. But our other two sons, you know, as they are wrestling with making their faith their own, we've had to let them. And so for us and our family, um, we said, you know, we expect you to go to church on the weekends at some point. So we have lots of services at Life Church to choose from. So really, I mean, there's tons of them. You don't have to. You can go Saturday. You can go Sunday. So um, go to church. That's 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 part of it. And then, you know, some people might expect, you know, force their kids to read a Bible plan. And I mean, I work for you version. So why wouldn't I do that? But at the end of the day, I'm praying. I'm asking God to meet them where they are so that they're taking their faith into their adulthood. Um, and so I'm just trusting God with all of that in their lives. So that's what I would say. Don't just let them be your kids, not Pastor John and Pastor whatever. Don't let them let them be your kids. Mm. So that's good. I, I appreciate that. I know my wife appreciates that. She always uh, appreciates when I ask those questions to people who are a little bit further along on the journey than us. And uh, and so thank you for that. Um, I, I was hoping, kind of as we uh, get close to the end of our time together today, that you might be able to speak to the couple that's um, that's in the thick of, of brokenness right now. Uh, maybe they're not sure where to turn to. Maybe they're they're just getting started. I was wondering if you might be able to just to speak a little hope over them, or, or to maybe give them a little push in a direction. If if you have a recommendation on um, on what healing looks like, yeah. So I think back to those early days for me. So I'm thinking about the couple who maybe it's fresh. Yeah. Uh, they're a couple weeks into maybe some kind of discovery or um, something like that. And so I think about where I was and the words were spoken to me by one of our leaders at Life Church. He said, Cindy, you don't have to decide the rest of your life today. Hmm. And that brought me so much freedom because in a moment when I'm just speaking for me as a wife, I felt so betrayed and I was so um, ashamed and I felt so mad that I had been made a fool in those early, you know, that was my initial response. And I think there was this thought in my mind, well, I know there was like, well, I can't let him, I can't waste any more days 
feeling this way. And so I wanted to know, like, do I stay? Do I go? So for me, I would say it's it's natural for people to want to know what their next step is, but just don't think in the moment of your heated emo- or heightened emotions that you have to decide everything in that moment. And so at the end of the day, when I was like, okay, I can take some time, it didn't matter that it was three or four more weeks. I mean, nothing was really going to change in my life, whether sure. I was with him or not. So like, just take it, take it down, you know, calm down. So that's, that's what I would say to the couple. And then I would also say, what are you willing to do to make your marriage work? Um, the phrase in my book I often use is whatever it takes. And so I know finances may not be easy for everyone, but there are definitely um, tools that you can uh, do that are used. There are counselors you can see. There are marriage intensive retreats you can be a part of. Um, there's a ministry down in Austin, Texas called AffairRecovery.com. Um, Rick Reynolds and his team do an amazing job of helping people navigate um, through this is just speaking to, you know, marriage affairs. Um, and then there's focus on the family does a lot of marriage intensives and they're more focused on like, uh, sexual intimacy or communication or different areas. So it's not necessarily a couple who is in the, you know, pit of despair. They could be, but it's also just for the average couple. Our best friends went there one time just to just to kind of freshen up and their marriage is, is healthy and strong. So it's fun to see people investing in their marriage, whether they're in a hard place or not. So that's what I would say. What are you willing to invest in your marriage um, to see it survive whatever you're going through? And, and then make some sacrifices and find the right people around you who are going to champion you and champion your marriage. Um, because it is possible to overcome hardship. I am living proof. Um, I thought I would never be able to live like in those early days. I thought, how will we ever survive this? And God has just done what he does and made all things new and brought so much um, joy and healing and hope um, to our marriage. And then we've been able to, I think, be lights to those around us um, because we push through the hard to get to uh, the other side. Well, I mean, you've certainly been a light for me today. I've really enjoyed it. I I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I I do want to make sure that I know my listeners will want to connect with you on the interwebs. Where where is the best place to pick up this uh, new refreshed version of the book and to connect with your ministry? Uh, Where's, where's a good starting point? You know, a lot of the booksellers online are selling at Christian Book, but I think Amazon, I mean, that's just, that's probably the easiest place to go because you probably get it the next day. Um, I think it's auto, I think it's on audio as well. Um, I'm not 100% sure if that's been released yet, but um, just connecting in that way. I'm on Instagram at Cindy Beal, so, but I'm pretty boring on Instagram. I'm just going to be honest because I'm busy and my life is so full right now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I should probably post. I forgot, but you know, that's just okay. Um, yeah. So connect in that way. That's awesome. Uh, okay. Last question. I always love to ask people. It's an advice question. Uh, and I, I take you back Ooh. to a very specific time and you get to give yourself one piece of advice. And so I'm going to take you back um, to the day before your husband sat you down and told you he um, he had broken trust in the marriage. If you could go back uh, to that younger version of Cindy and sit down in front of yourself, what's the one piece of advice you'd tell yourself? 
<laughs> wow. I remember that day. He was really somber. Mm. Um, I knew, knowing now he was thinking, I've got to say, I can't live this way. Um, I think I would have just said, don't forget that God has been with you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't forget that God has been with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Um, and even though difficult things happen, um, he's still near you. I don't know. I think that I would need that extra comfort mm. knowing what I would be going into the, the next day, probably. Amen. Yeah, that's off the top of my head, but I'll probably have a better answer in like five hours. So. <laughs> well, you can always send it to me and I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Cindy, thank you so much for your, your generosity of time and your vulnerability and for, for you and Chris and for what you're doing to build the kingdom. Uh, I truly, truly appreciate it. And, uh, and praying that the, a, a lot of couples can get this um, resource in their hands. So thank you. Thank you so much. I've loved visiting with you this morning. I told you guys what an incredible word from a pastor, writer, and mother who's been through so much in our life. I'm so thankful for the way that she talks about forgiveness and restoration and intimacy and how we can rebuild all of those things, um, you know, by choosing to one day at a time. Do me a favor, check out Pastor Cindy's latest copy of Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken. Follow her on all the socials and let her know that you heard her here on the Reclamation Podcast. And hey, don't forget, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts at. Leave a rating or review on iTunes and be sure to share this episode with a friend. Everything that you do to support us goes back into the podcast and helps continue to breathe life into this platform. I'm so thankful for you and I want to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.